I'm Arie Schwartz, along with Eli Horowitz, and welcome to the WNBA Insider Show. Each week, we cover various topics important to the W. Using X's and O's, along with key stats, we bring honest and critical analysis. This week, folks, we have our first preseason power ranking, something we're really excited about, and it's obviously going to be fluid throughout the season and the preseason, um, deciding why this team has, has leapfrogged this team and, and so on and so forth. And it's something very exciting. The draft is over, and now we can start to get a better idea of these teams and and what they're going to be. But something we want to keep in mind, why it's important to have multiple preseason power rankings, is because teams are going to cut people. A lot of people who got signed, th- this is spoken about uh, a lot of times with people who follow the league, you are not guaranteed a spot in the W just because you're a first-round draft pick. Now, I don't think that applies as much to this current season just because of the talent that comes through. But now so, I think it starts to apply more so to the veterans in the league. What are your thoughts, Eli? Yeah, I mean, the way I looked at this is if I had to pick today, this is kind of my order, my top 12. And, you know, with that comes whoever you put 9 through 12, you're kind of saying might miss the playoffs. But, you know, this is fluid because we're going to update ours almost on a weekly basis. And, even in the preseason, you know, we're going to be reading reports from training camps. We might learn that a player uh, has an overseas commitment. We might even talk to some coaches and really learn, man, this rookie is tearing it up, that she's ready to start right away. Whereas we might learn, man, this other rookie is, you know, it, it tears an Achilles. And, you know, so this is all subject to change. So if you're listening to this, I wouldn't say, okay, we're saying 9 through 12 will definitely miss the playoffs. We're just saying today, if we had to project, and also keep in mind, this is one of the deepest draft classes in WNBA history. So we're going to learn a lot in the first half of the season as far as how much players like Asia Wilson and Diamond to Shields and Kelsey Mitchell can have an impact in year one. And so, you know, some of the teams we have missing the playoffs, we might very well change course within five, 10 games of seeing some of these rookies play. Well, even to expand on that, I mean, for the young players coming into the league, it's going to be a very quick learning curve because, for instance, Asia Wilson with, with the Aces, if she doesn't get it going early on in the season, that's going to be a long season for the fans and a long season for the team because it's 34 games and it's happening in a snap. This is a condensed season. So if you're going to hit the ground, you got to hit the ground running as a rookie because you don't have as much time to you know prepare study other teams, study your your game to improve it. It's going to be a very quick season, folks. Uh, uh, action-packed, high intensity. And, I mean, just looking at our list or my list and, and, and talking to you about your list, it's pretty crazy. And so, folks, we had to drop it down to tiers. Obviously, we have our 1 through 12s, but we broke it into tiers because we think just speaking to each other, there's a lot of teams that kind of fit into a bubble but don't fit to that next level or don't fit to that lower level. So we thought putting the tiers is the best way to kind of adjust uh, the powers of this league because, you know, on any, as they say, any given Sunday or any given game, you know? Exactly. And I think we're still going to go through our specific order. So don't worry, won't cheat you on that. But we do kind of want to make it clear because, it, you know, um, if you're going to come at us at Twitter and say, you put a team four versus five, I feel like at that point it's like, listen, they're in the same tier, you know, but... Where the bigger argument is might be is 
like why someone was left out of an entire tier versus like six versus seven, if that kind of makes sense. Oh, it does. And I know there's going to be some pissed off people when we go over our list because, I mean, we're, I don't, to me it's not anything shocking, but, but there's some teams that are, if you're a fan, you might be a little pissed off at us. So, uh, hey, bring it on. Bring it Let's on. get to it. Yeah. Let's get to it. All right. So our top tier, uh, my top tier, the number one team is the Minnesota Lynx, and the number two team is the L.A. Sparks. Eli. I have the same two teams, but I flipped the order. So I have the Sparks as number one on my preseason poll, and I have the Lynx coming in number two. And I agree with you that is a cutoff tier. Yeah, I, I don't think any other team has really gotten to that level yet in the league. Um, I, I can completely understand if someone wants to argue me and say the Sparks are the number one. And, and I mean that completely based off of the offseason. The, the moment the, the, the season, the finals ended and the Lynx won, I said, and we talked about this a lot. Lynx are the number one team until the season starts, right? They, they are the defending champs. They have their core back. But then the season, the offseason goes on, and they lose a few players to whatever it is. And then the draft, they didn't really gain much, and I didn't see any eyebrow-raising moves in the offseason. So to me, I see why the Sparks, you know, they had a really good offseason, why they might leapfrog to the number one spot. But again, when you have Maya Moore, Sylvia Fowles, Simone Augustus, Rebecca Brunson, and, and, and Lindsey Whalen. I find it really hard, even with the Sparks going against them, to, to knock them down to the number two. Yeah, and I'm kind of like you, but the opposite. Like, I'm not up in arms if you want to make the argument for the Lynx. And, and generally, I agree with you. Like, nine out of ten times when I do an exercise like this, I'm probably going to put the defending champions one. But I just thought the Sparks had such... A good off, like, you know, they added Cappy Pondexter, they added Maria Vidiva, and they didn't lose anybody of significance. Whereas the Lynx lost four key rotation players, the biggest of which Renee Montgomery. They didn't have a first round pick, so they're not really adding someone through the draft who's going to be an impact player. And so just that disparity, um, for me, when you know that these two teams have won the last two titles and they played 10 games and it's been 5-5, five to five, I just feel like, for me, the tiebreaker was the Sparks having the better offseason. And, you, you, I, again, I can't really argue that. I will say my hot take for this upcoming season, uh, a way too early prediction, the Lynx and Sparks will not have a three-peat of the finals. I believe one of those teams will be there, but not both. Um, moving on to the second tier. All right, I have number three in my power ranking, the Connecticut Sun, number four, the Washington Mystics, and number five, the Atlanta Dream. And that blocks off my top tier. Though, to me, that tier is the tier that could jump, if they, if they progress properly this season, could jump and be in that top tier in the league and really compete against the Lynx and the Sparks. So I have it as a four-team tier. So we, we're, this is where we differ a little bit. You have it as three teams. I have it as four teams. So I have coming in third, I have the Phoenix Mercury, which might be a surprise to some because I haven't talked about them as much as maybe my next two teams. Number four, I have the Connecticut Sun. Number five, I have the Atlanta Dream. And number six, I have the Washington Mystics. So for me, that is tier two. These are teams that I believe are pretty safe to make the playoffs and that have the potential to push the Lynx and Sparks in the semifinals, but I don't 
I think, you know, they're not really contenders barring, you know, maybe an injury to someone on the links or sparks or a midseason trade. So at this point, I, I call those safe playoff teams, but kind of a tier two. Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you on that. For me, and I'll be completely honest, the Mercury's game has just not sat with me well the past couple seasons. And with Tarasi getting older, I see her as a much more important clog than a lot of people. I'm All right, I, I don't want to say a lot of people give her credit for her because she's arguably the GOAT. She's, she's one of the greatest to ever play the game. But to me, as her game declines, the team has not found a way to fill her workload so that Brittany Griner can be the dominant force that she needs to be for them to win. And again, Brittany Griner, uh, the highest points average, uh, obviously it was skewed because of her injury, but you know, Brittany Griner's stats are crazy and she's still doing so well. But, but to be a, a, a top-tier team and to me even a second-tier team with the Suns, the Mystics, and Atlanta around now, I, I, I struggle to give it to the Mercury. And again, that's me. I, there's just something about their style that doesn't sit with me right. I'm going to disagree on that one. Look, the Mercury were the third best team last year in the playoffs. I know they. I know in the regular season, New York and Connecticut had better records. But in the playoffs, they went to the semifinals and they gave LA, even though it was a sweep, uh, you know, uh, they gave them a run. The, that was not an easy sweep. I thought Minnesota handled Washington pretty easy. And then Phoenix adds Brianne January, Sancho Little, and Duana Bonner coming back. So you add all that together, and they got a lot better, and they were probably the third best team as far as postseason-wise. So I think to me they are kind of that clear third, that, that team that if, if, you know, I think the finals will be Sparks and Links, but if they seem like the most likely team to upend. And again, I hear you on Connecticut and Atlanta. I have them right next. And they definitely, those teams maybe play a, a more fun brand of basketball. But this is just for 2018, you know, and I think with Tarazi, Griner, and that, and those veterans, at least for one more year, they're built to win in the playoffs. Yeah, hey, that makes sense to me. So tier four, or I guess, sorry, tier three, looking at it, um, I'm curious, who, do, what numbers do you have in tier three? For me, because this is kind of where we got off track a little bit, tier three, I have the Mercury and Dallas. And those are the teams that, to me, they have the tools to be a second-tier team, right? But I don't necessarily see them making that leap. I don't think they have it this season. I hear what you're saying about the Mercury. I'm not convinced. Um, what are your thoughts? On what, what is the third tier for you? So what would that be for you, six and seven? Six and seven. Mercury at six, Dallas at seven. So my tier three would be team seven and eight. So these are my last two in, and I have Dallas and Seattle. For me, it's... Dallas, I love, you know, that they have Liz Cambage coming. I love the pick of Stevens. We haven't even got a chance to really talk about that in depth. I mean, wow, like the player I said should be good, the second pick in the draft dropped all the way to six. So, man, if you think about a starting lineup of Diggin Smith, Alicia Gray, Glory Johnson, Liz Cambage, and Stevens, that's going to be, you know, with Ariel Powers. But, you know, so – but, you know, the reason I have them seven and not in my tier two is, I, I'll be honest, I think there's some questions as far as coaching. You know, I, I, I haven't been impressed with the schemes I've seen. I, their offense is a little bit um, unstructured. And I, I think 
you saw in the playoffs. They just really weren't ready for that game. And I feel like there's something to prove there before I put this team into that second tier. For Seattle, again, missed opportunity. I think Canada will be a great player in this league, but they drafted her for the future. So if you think about it, like they were under 500 last year and barely made the playoffs, and they're not really adding anybody, you know, other than Howard and Courtney Paris off the bench. So I, I still think they'll make the playoffs because I think Brianna Stewart and Jewel Lloyd are going to get a lot better. But the teams ahead of them just did more in the offseason. So I think, you know, they're going to they're gonna have to battle just to get in, I think. I think people are going to be a little surprised at, um, with Seattle. Yeah, people are going to be surprised with Seattle. I think a lot of people, especially last year, they expected to have that big jump from Seattle. Um, my tier, I, I included, I dropped the Liberty to eight, all right? And I put Seattle, I mean, just jumping into tier four because we're kind of meshing tier three and tier, tier four just because of how we ranked them. Um, so I'll just go into my tier four. I have Liberty at eight, Seattle at nine, Chicago at 10, Aces at 11, and Fever at 12. And, and let me give you a little background on it. Kind of building off of what you just said, Seattle, when I first made this list, I had them at eight. I had them as a bubble team making the playoffs. And then just speaking with you, I had to drop them because of, we talked about this before. Seattle did a great job in drafting Jordan Canada, right? But Stevens was on the board and, and we, we were both very high on her, but even more so, I was not high on Seattle taking Canada. She does She's a top talent coming into the draft and a top talent that you need to take. I get that. But does she fit into the team? And I think the answer is clearly no. And you kind of said it great right there. That She's not a player that they brought in for this season or next season. She's a player for the future that they're hoping she can give some things this season and give some things next season, but not necessarily is going to be that player who, you know, is going to really make this team next year that much better. So I think the question marks we had for Seattle are still there. That's why I don't even have them making the playoffs, right? And and Liberty, I think people are going to freak out at me for putting them at eight. But, I mean, what have the Liberty really done? They, they got a great job with the draft, right? Kia Nurse, I'm high on her. I think she was one of the steals of the draft besides Vidiva. Uh, or, you know, Stevens, how, how far she dropped. But but how do you – Seattle, I, I just – I can't see them getting that much better with oh, kind of – not a wasted draft, but, but you can hear what I'm telling, right? Yeah, no, I hear that. Look, at the end of the day, this is going to be a dogfight to make the playoffs. Other than like, you know, the Fever, Aces, and Sky, who honestly could be all – could be a lot better than we think. Like, honestly, I, I, I'd make a case that 11 teams really have a ch- like a chance, at least a chance at the playoffs. I think the Fever just have too much work to be done. But I would say 11 teams at least have a fighting chance. So this is not an easy list, and I think both of us are very high on the dream – and the Dream missed the playoffs last year. So if you think about it, we both had to take one team out that made it last year. And so I think you're saying the Storm will be that team who misses out for you. And I think you make – it's a logical argument. I know fans don't want to hear it, but this team was under 500 last year. Literally. They were 15 and 19. I'm going to double-check that. But I believe they were 15 and 19. And – if you think Courtney Paris and Natasha Howard is going to take a team that was 15 and 19 and suddenly be the difference, I think you're mistaken. Now, if you want to make the argument 
yes, they were 15 and 19. I just double-checked. Now, if you want to yep. make the argument that Stewart and Lloyd are going to get a lot better and that's going to make them more of a 500 team or better, fair enough. And that's why I put them eighth because I believe in Lloyd and Stewart will continue to get better. But I think you make a valid point. And don't forget, Sue Bird's another year older. Um, so I'm with you. You know, I have them eight, but you have them nine, and I think we're, you know, pretty similar. So for me, I'm curious your opinion. I had the Liberty ninth. They're my first team out, I'm calling it. So, like I said, we both have Atlanta in, so we both had to drop a team out. I dropped out New York. Um, again, people are going to argue they were third last year. How are you dropping them third to ninth? But again, all these other teams made moves, whether it be through the draft or free agency. All the Liberty did was add Kia Nurse in the draft, who is a, a good pick. But she's not a, that kind of a game changer. To me, she's going to be more of a role player. So between all that and between the fact that they're already a team relying on veterans, I just don't think they have enough talent given what some of these other teams have done. I think they're going to be right in that mix, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, fighting till the end of the season, and I have them ninth. Yeah, I mean, uh, just real quick, Seattle, not only were they 15 and 19, their last 10 games, 5 and 5. So like... You know, they, they had a slight push when they got the new coach, but then that kind of fizzled out. For New York, I think it's really interesting. Often the the thing that was used kind of as their Achilles, right, was, at least in our perspective, is they're playing old basketball and they kind of, other teams have have added to their wep- repertoire of weapons and, 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 and whatever, and New York has kind of stayed stagnant. And that's worked for them. In many respects, right? They've been a top five team for the past I don't know how many years. So that's worked for them for a certain extent. And and part of me inside says Tina Charles does not let her team not make the playoffs, right? Tina Charles is too good with with the the, the talent around her to not let her team make the playoffs. And and that, but that kind of brings me to something. Originally, I had Liberty at nine and Seattle at eight. And and because when I was thinking about the draft. I dropped Seattle down, but I will say, I was going to save this to the end, my sleeper team to even jump a ridiculous amount that we weren't expecting is going to be Seattle because the levels that Stewie can reach, we haven't seen yet, and we're going to see that more this year, and I think she's going to take a bigger burden. And then you got Jewel Lloyd, who's taking a bigger piece of the pie, and Sue Bird is slowly slowing down on the pie, right? And she's going to start facilitating for other players. So I, I would not be surprised if Seattle leaped to a 5-6 position even. Yeah, and that's why I put him in. I, I agree with that. I mean, man, I, I imagine if they took Stevens and they had Stewart and Stevens in that backcourt flying around with those long arms, blocking shots, sliding their feet with all that mobility, getting the rebound, outlet, outletting to Jewel Lloyd and Sue Bird. I mean, I think they're – I'll be honest, I think they're going to regret – that um well so answer me this uh just a quick question i'm and i'll be completely upfront. i'm docking seattle for not taking stevens because she was on the board and they said now nah, we're not going with her we're going canada is that fair of me do you think it's fair for me to say that they're literally going to drop one to two spots because they didn't take stevens no i don't i no i think i think you're being fair because because i think Stevens is somebody who can contribute right away, at least defensively and on the glass. Whereas I think Canada, she's going to be backing up Sue Bird. 
So I don't think her like minutes and impact will be as immediate. I think she's more they drafted her as like the next point guard of the future. You know, so I, I don't think she's a game changer for them in twenty eighteen. So I think it's fair whether I think it's fair to both say Canada's gonna be a great player, but for twenty eighteen, you're docking them a little bit. Yeah. No, I'm I'm curious. What are your thoughts on the Aces? When we both when we dove deep and when we focused on the Aces, we said you know, they could go much higher. They could be jumping to the single digits, and, and we both have them at 11. Yeah, so to fi- I don't think I finished mine. So I have New York 9th just missing, Chicago 10, Las Vegas 11, and Indiana 12. And Chicago for me is the team, like you said, Seattle. Chicago is my team that I think could really make a leap. Because when you think about it, they're adding three lottery picks in Gabby Williams – Diamond to Shields, and I'm counting Elena Coates, who was the second overall pick last year, but this is going to be her rookie season in the WNBA. So I put him at 10th for now just because it's so early and we don't know how good those players will be right away. But, I mean, if, if, if even two of those three are impact players, Chicago could leapfrog into the playoffs very easily because don't forget they already have Dolson and Vandersloot and Quigley so they have some good veterans already. They're not really starting from scratch, kind of like how an Indiana is. All right. So now, just to recap, because you know we, we've been all over the place and might get a little confusing, I'm going to go through my top 12s, or I guess my full-on power ranking of the WNBA, and then Eli's going to come in with his. So I have at number one the Minnesota Lynx, followed by the LA Sparks at two, the Connecticut Sun at three, the Washington Mystics at four, Atlanta Dream at 5, the Phoenix Mercury at 6, Dallas Wings at 7, New York Liberty at 8, Seattle Storm at 9, the Chicago Sky at 10, the Las Vegas Aces at 11, and bottoming out at 12, the Indiana Fever. Eli, hit us with your list. LA Sparks 1, Minnesota Lynx 2, Phoenix Mercury 3, Connecticut Sun 4, Atlanta Dream 5, Washington Mystics 6, Dallas Wings 7, Seattle Storm 8, New York Liberty 9, Missing the Playoffs, Chicago Sky 10, Las Vegas Aces 11, Indiana Fever 12. And and just looking at it, I mean, why don't you just give us a little bit more of why you don't think the Liberty are going to make the playoffs? Because they did finish the season on a 10-0 streak. You can't forget that. (laughs) Well, it's almost why I think – like if you take out that 10-0 streak, they were 12 and 12 last year. So, you know, two-thirds of the way of the season, they were at risk of missing the playoffs. You know, they were right on that border. And so I think I think they're gonna be more that 12 and 12 team than they are that team that went 10 and 0. And then you factor in, you know, a coaching change, um, the fact that they didn't really upgrade their roster because of their cap space in the way other teams did. And honestly, I think the fact that they are in Westchester and all that drama surrounding the offseason, I feel like that might count for a couple losses. You know, the crowd's not going to be the same. The, the energy's not going to be the same. And intangibles matter. You know, I know that from coaching. Um, so I kind of see them more, like I said, I see them more that team that they were in the first half of the season. I can't fully disagree with you on that. I think a lot of New York Liberty fans are going to go straight Brooklyn on you, so watch out. 
don't show up in New York this season, Eli. Um, but what I will say is New York is such an intriguing team. I really I hope that they do better because they're a fun team to watch and they have that ability to be a top team. But I got to agree with you to a certain extent. I mean, I had them at eight, and and I would not be surprised if they drop lower and don't make the playoffs, even though I think they're too talented not to make the playoffs. I hear what you're saying. Let's do something a little bit a little bit more Satanistic, if you will. Let's look at teams that we put on the top on the top, you know, one tier or two tier. Obviously, I don't think either of us think the links of the Sparks are going to do this. But so let's look at the second tier. Which of these teams do you think has the most pr- likeliness, or I guess the highest probability, of just bottoming out and having a horrible season? So again, we're looking at the Suns, Mystics, Atlanta, and Mercury. Um, well, I'll let you go first. I'll put you on the spotlight first for this one. Like what? What's a team that's a top team that could really just drop? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Atlanta, um, which some might be surprised if they listen to the pod because we've been very high on them. But but look, they have to prove it. They have a rookie coach. I think everyone speaks very highly of Nikki Collin. Um, she comes with a great track record. But at the end of the day, actually st- standing there as a head coach is a whole different ball game than being an assistant coach. I think Angel McCautry, you know, she's a year away f- from playing in the league. Um, who knows how she'll mesh with the team. They have a lot of pieces to incorporate. And if they do incorporate it well, this is a team that could be a dark horse contender. But at the same time, like you never know. Like maybe maybe it just doesn't gel or maybe it takes more than one year. Um, you know, Lasia Clarendon really struggled to shoot the ball last year. Bria Holmes is going to be out for the season. Well, they traded her, but she was missing, um, you know, due to pregnancy. And they traded her and ended up getting Monique Billings. Um, and, and Brittany Sykes, she had a great rookie season, but the sophomore slump is a thing. So, again, I'm not predicting this to happen, but if I was to pick one of my kind of top teams that could just fall, uh, it would be Atlanta. I'm going to go completely against – Are you shocked by that? I'm not shocked by that, I, and, and I don't want to be rude or anything, but I think that's kind of the, the, the easy answer, right? Because they're, okay, they're, they're a young team. You know, We don't know what they have. I think you know, we've put them up there in, the, in the, the, top, uh, the top half of the league because of what we both very strongly believe is going to happen, but I think they're kind of the easiest to say that they're going to bottom out. Um, and, and feel free to well, call. I actually, I actually have three. Oh, yeah? I actually have four. <laughs> Bring it on. I could go quick. I could make a case for four. Well, okay. The Connecticut, hear me out on this one. Maybe, maybe four will take too much time, but hear me out on this one. What do you think about the notion that what if, you know, Connecticut was that surprise team, and I think they'll be very good again, and I think Kurt Miller is a great coach. But, you know, now all the teams now have film on them, right? Like, they were just a completely different team last year. John Quill Jones came out of nowhere. Um, you know, Alyssa Thomas had a career year. Jasmine Thomas had a career year. Courtney Williams arguably had a career year. You know, even Strickland. So, you know, I is there an argument to be made that maybe they can't really get much better and now the rest of the league kind of has a year's worth of film on how this team plays? It's interesting you say that. I thought I was going to have the hot take and say Connecticut. You know, if, if anybody follows me, you know I am high and mighty on Connecticut. But 
kind of what you were saying, but even more so, right? You got you got Shanae coming back, right? How's that going to affect the team? You got film on them. Um, they Kurt Miller, when speaking to him, very candidly told me that he did not he was not he didn't say worried but just flat out they would have less time to do some of the things that made them so good last year you know extra film review running down player development and and those are things that are intangibles that you or I don't even know if you want to call them that but those are just things that you can't you can't discredit yeah so I mean I think we're both like it's interesting Atlanta and and and, and hear me on this one. what about Washington because you know I know you saying they could be better without uh, Emma Misaman because they were eight and three last year when she was out uh, because Della Don's able to play the four. It's a better position for her. Um, and if Taylor Hill comes back, um, I think you made a valid point when you said on our last podcast they could be even better. But I mean, you know, they're one Della Don injury away. You know, if Della Don gets hurt, they could they could easily miss the playoffs, right? Della Don gets hurt, they miss the playoffs. Tolliver gets hurt. And they struggle to make the playoffs. Struggle handedly. And I know you might be right. And I know you might be sitting there saying, oh, well, if any team's best player gets hurt, they can miss the playoffs. But I'm arguing Washington is uniquely set up to rely on Deladon. You know what I mean? Like Connecticut or Atlanta could have a key injury, but they have enough depth. I feel like Washington can't couldn't survive an injury to Deladon. Well, you, well, even look at Phoenix Mercury. I think it's a great example. A lot of people would say, you know, Griner goes down. How's this team going to survive? And they found a way. And Tarasi kind of went vintage Tarasi for a little bit. And they, you know, they did bring in uh, Monique Curry as part of an effort for that. I don't know if she came before or after the injury, but I don't think that really matters because having her really kind of helped give some points while Griner was hurt. So for me, Phoenix is a similar team, but Phoenix found a way to get it done. Washington would will really struggle. Well, Phoenix added a lot of depth. Phoenix added a lot of pieces. Exactly. Though. So what Phoenix did, it. they're not as reliant as they were exactly. last year on two exactly. players. Exactly. What Phoenix did is, I think they kind of had a wake up call last season and said, "Oh crap!" Like this is what happens if Griner goes down. Yeah. So okay. So we kind of agree. Oh, and, and lastly, because we both think Seattle, New York could be struggling, but Dallas. Um, you know what? What do you think of my take? Like they're starting five to me, and again, I hate. I know people say don't compare to men's sports, don't compare to the NBA, but it really reminds me of the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, they have this team that's just this athletic, long, raw talent, but the Bucks could not figure out the coaching aspect and the scheme aspect, and I kind of feel like Fred Williams is kind of on the hot seat if he doesn't. You know, they were 16 and 18 last year, and they're adding Cam Beige and Stevens. I kind of feel like if this team isn't, you know, well over 500, he could be on the hot seat. I mean, do you think they could miss the playoffs? What do you think about the coaching aspect there? Look, I, I think Dallas could easily miss the playoffs. Um, they have way too much talent, and if Dallas misses the playoffs, I'm just going to say head coach should be fired. And I'm not one, you know, to, to make those claims. <laughs> hot take. Hot take, right? I'm not one to make those claims, and I'm not saying, oh, like, oh, Dallas, oh, Dallas fans call up Dallas and be like, Arya said this, so you better fire him. No, not at all. But what I'm saying is, is when you have a team this talented, you need to make the gutsy calls. And I'll compare it to what what uh, Pokey Chapman did with the Indiana Fever, saying we got to trade a face of our franchise to do better for this team. And at a certain point, the higher-ups in the team need to say, hey, we need to do better. 
Uh, being from Minnesota, I will say, like, uh, for instance, the Minnesota Wild, they have this thing, uh, be, good is not good enough. And that needs to be the mindset of a team like Dallas Wings, who who have so much young talent, and then you add in, you have these vets in Skyler, Glory Johnson, and then you bring in uh, Cambage. That team needs to be, in my opinion, if if the, even if they're the top six team, I granted like this this league is going to be so competitive this season, but Dallas should be a top six team, and if they're not, you as the owner need to or the president or whoever's in charge of deciding Dallas, whatever, however their power scheme is set up, you need to take an honest look at your coaching staff. Yeah, I mean this team talent wise, you could make a case that they're the third best team in the WNBA as far as raw talent. You could make a case. Is that fair? Definitely. Definitely. At least top five, you can make a case. So the fact that we have, both have them seven, I think, shows that we are a bit less confident in the infrastructure. 100%. And, and, and to touch on what you said about the coaching, coaching is your expertise. I'm not going to get into there and say that, you know, Fred schemes or whatever. But what I will say is watching the, the – I think I saw two Dallas games live last year – and watching the playoff game against Washington, and, and keep in mind, Washington was six going into the playoffs. Dallas was seven. Um, so, so you know, same, same, same team basically, right? The the roster is a little bit different, but around the same spot in the league. Dallas just looked lost at times, and I don't know if I want to put that to the coaching or put that to a young team going into it. Um, but there was definitely something that it wasn't it wasn't the skill holding them back. I'll say that. It wasn't the players on the right. court. I feel like that and, and we I feel like it, and it sucks. This is we need more coverage of this league because I feel like you know, people don't analyze that part of it, but it didn't look like they had a game plan. And and again, that that's a little unfair. I, obviously they had a you know, obviously they had a game plan, but it just from my perspective as a coach, it looked like they thought they were just going to go into Washington and we're gonna run, you know, we're gonna run, run, run on Washington, and just you know beat them. And when the game slowed down a little bit, it, it just didn't really feel like they had any adjustments in that game. And you know, one one coach, um, one coach told me, and I'm not gonna name them, you know, but one coach told me in in our conversations in the offseason that they're the easiest team to game plan against. Ding, ding, ding! That's a hot take. <laughs> Well, it wasn't really a hot take. That's what the person said to me. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Not a hot take, <laughs> but that—that's—it's something that you know we've heard murmurs about. But I think it's important to say, hey, that's how we're not the only ones thinking that way, right? Right. That—that—that's. So, really- anyways, I mean, I have high hopes for them, but I almost—I ah, don't know that it's just you look at that team and you're like, man, if if. If Cheryl Reeve was coaching that team, they're, they're probably third in my power rankings, you know? Yeah, and, and this might be the season, you know, for all we know, Fred Williams has something in mind that, that certain players just weren't able to do. And honestly, I hope that's true because with the talent they have, there'll be so much, so exciting and so entertaining to watch. And and the way this team moves, I think we're going to see a lot more poise from these these second-year players that you have or these third-year players that you have in Dallas. Dallas Again, I mean, I feel like I'm just repeating this over and over. They are so young. And and the abilities that – or the things that they accomplished last year, they didn't necessarily – at times they looked so much more poised and, and more veteran than they were. 
Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, the schemes they used last year for you know under Coach Williams, they fit better with a Stevens than like a Courtney Paris. You know what I mean? So maybe 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 he's a coach who just kind of coaches his style, regardless of who he has, and now he'll have better personnel. We'll see. You know, he has a career record of 117 and 136. Um, you know, he did take Atlanta to a to a WNBA Finals in 2013. Um, you know, he's missed the playoffs more years than he's made it, but he's been to the playoffs four times. Uh, picking up this Wikipedia page, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm always going to play devil's advocate because that's just who I am as a person. But especially <laughs> when it comes to coaches in the W, I think far too often we hold them to too low a standard. And I think we need to start holding them to a higher standard just in the sense of, I mean, we've talked about this and everybody who follows the league is talking about this right now. This season is going to be just a, a, a straight like bare knuckle boxing match from day one to the last day of the season. It is just going to be power shot after power shot after power shot. And you have to be an intelligent and a, a, like almost a, a, a chess master in this thinking three games ahead. Okay. Yes, we have this game, but in two games we're playing this team who's going to exhaust us more. So I'm going to play this person. Let, you know, it's so much more, this move is going to affect that move and that move is going to affect this move that we need to start holding. I mean, I know you and I, we hold the teams and we hold the players to a ridiculously high standard. And often we kind of hold punches back when it comes to coaches, but that's not going to happen anymore. I I know that Eli and I have been talking about this. We have strong feelings. Like we have our own coaches power ranking that we plan to put out in a little bit. Um, But I, I just think we need to start challenging people more, you know? Yeah, and look, it, it goes for Seattle and Dallas. Those teams finished, you know, Seattle finished 15 and 19 last year, and Dallas finished 16 and 18. So, yeah, they made the playoffs, but that's because eight out of 12 teams make the playoffs. You have to understand, those were losing teams last year, and there's no guarantee either of those teams will be you know, winning teams. And like we said, making a seven or eight seed doesn't necessarily mean you're that good of a team. It doesn't at all. Because there's like, again, look at someone like Washington. Washington went four and six limping into the playoffs. All right. Uh, Chicago, a team that Chicago went four and six also, but they dropped down to nine. They didn't make the playoffs. Then you have, you know, Seattle five and five. San Antonio finally made a late season push. They went five and five. Those are those are all uh, last last 10 game stats. But the teams that really succeeded, Connecticut six and four in that in the last ten, New York ten and zero in the last ten. Well, they didn't really succeed, <laughs> and Sparks eight and two, and then Minnesota six and four. So I think you know the end season push is important, but you can't get too caught up in the last ten games. You kind of got to look at the whole thing, which is what you're saying, right? Well, yeah, and definitely in reference to New York. But I agree. Like this, I mean, last year there was some weak teams. You know, Vegas, or I guess San Antonio, they were not a good basketball team. Let's just be honest. Chicago was not a good basketball team. And and again, they were had a new coach. They were figuring things out. But, you know, they were not very good. Um, Indiana was not a good – you know, there were three teams last year um, 
And Atlanta, was, you know, there were four bad basketball teams, bad basketball teams last year. And Seattle, like we said, Seattle and Dallas were very mediocre. And I think it's going to be um, the quality is just going to be a little bit higher. The talent's going to be higher. Um, and it makes sense because there's more draft picks that are going to make teams in a typical year. And then you have a lot of key players coming back like Shanae McQuay, Angel McCautry, Liz Cambage. Um, so that th- there's just going to be more talent in the league this year. Um, having said that, like four teams still have to miss the playoffs and wins and losses still have to add up to 500. So you got to imagine some of these teams are still going to struggle to get the W's. Definitely. I mean, and, and it's interesting. I'd, I'd love to do a deeper dive into the possible equations of like how many teams it's possible to have winning records versus the other teams. Cause there's always obviously going to be a drop of that. Um, but that's, that's a whole nother story. That's going to be it for this week of the WNBA insider show. I'm Arya Schwartz along with my partner in crime, Eli Horowitz. Again, this has been the WNBA Insider Show. We cover various topics important to the W. Using X's and O's along with key stats, we bring honest and critical analysis.